Welcome to Boutique Builders. This series is designed to showcase those brave enough to launch their own investment ventures and better understand the challenges, opportunities, and unexpected outcomes that occur when you go it alone. In this week's episode, we're gonna focus on one topic in particular, recruitment. We're constantly told asset management is a people business, but how much more importance does that take on when you're running a smaller team and also not able to rely on a heavily stocked HR department? Guiding us through this chat is Glenn Finnegan, who some of you may know from his time running emerging market equities at Janice Henderson and First State, which is now First Sentier. In 2019, Glenn, along with a number of former colleagues, decided to establish Scaryville, an EM-focused boutique which has the backing of Benbridge. In our discussion, Glenn talks about the efforts to support and develop staff in a small team, the juggling act of remote working, and why control of culture was such an important reason for starting the company in the first place. Enjoy. Let's kick off then. So, Glenn, can we talk about this This idea is this journey from employee to co-managing partner. So let's talk about the partnership structure of Scaryville, why you chose this model, and also what that then means for the way the business is run and, and you recruit for that business. Sure, yeah. Okay, so thanks and uh, and thanks for, for having me on to talk. Um, yeah, so Scaryville was founded by eight founding partners who have a, a, a long track record of, of working together um, at, at large corporates. Um, we we chose to sort of strike out a more independent route in 2019 uh, and create uh, Scaryvore, built very much around a philosophy that we have run clients' money to for for over 20, 20 years. Well, certainly for me, in my case, over 20 years. Um, and I, the purpose of the partnership, I think, was to, we'd experienced, I mean, all of us really had experienced some of the events out with our control that, that took place working for larger corporates. And it was a desire for independence and control, uh, investment leadership uh, over a business rather than sort of corporate leadership over a business. Um, and it was established as a vehicle to deliver this philosophy consistently to clients uh, all around the world. Um, and as a, also as a vehicle for myself and my co-founding partners to work in for the rest of our careers free from the concerns of you know, M&A, management changes, all of the things that can can lead to sort of uncertainty and, and frankly, the type of not useful stress that, you know, there is a degree of stress about running investment portfolios and it can be useful, but the sort of corporate stuff out with your control as an investment team is, is not helpful, uh, distracting. Uh, and and Scaravo was established as a, as a vehicle for us to you know, focus entirely on delivering our philosophy to, to clients. It's an LLP, so we are all um, partners uh, and owners, uh, you know, of, of the business. Um, and I think maybe a little unusually for this type of boutique startup, um, although I'm the, the lead investor in our team, I'm not the controlling shareholder here. Um, we've spread the controlling votes uh, broadly across the team, and you know, we have other investors working with me. We have extremely impressive lady Karen Lumsden, who essentially runs all of the non-investment functions as a partner. Uh, our head of trading, Ben Lawson, is a, is a partner. Um, and our head of sort of client interaction, Ian Taber, is a, is a partner. So so the, there, there isn't really the sort of natural hierarchy of an investment business that I have you know, struggled with a bit through my career. You know, this is them and us, sort of front and back office and what have you. Um, really, everybody here works together as partners to try to deliver to the best of our ability, our philosophy to clients. Looking at the way that it has been structured then, because one of the things I'm interested in is 
is how you develop the business and how you recruit, how you attract people. How big, how many employees do you have at the moment and how big could you be if that's not sort of running before you can walk? Yeah, so we, well, the group, the founding group, essentially, were the original people you know, working at Scarifor back in, in 2019. Uh, we've subsequently brought on three employees um, with and in the process of bringing on a, on a fourth. So yeah, I mean, that, that's been a, a journey thinking about, you know, how we maintain the sort of lack of hierarchy that that kind of underpins our culture i think um you know through partners and into employees and that that's you know led us to think very carefully about the, the type of individuals uh, that we hire um i think another another feature is we we think there's an opportunity to build a, a multi-generational business here you know within the founding group you've got me and a few others who are late 40s a couple of turned 50. um we have a middle tier of, of, of people in their in their thirties, uh, and one of, one of the first employees that, that we brought into the business actually was uh, a graduate trainee, uh, a young lady, um, you know, who who we who we come across through um, at, yeah through the network of, of, of people that we, we talk to around Edinburgh, and um, and bringing on a you know, a graduate trainee, you know, we really have to think very carefully about the type of it's obviously a young person, early twenties. Uh, but we really needed someone who was, you know, who could, who 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 would slot into the you know the wider group, if you like. So a lot of thought went into the maturity of the, of the you know the, of the the person um, that we were considering for the sort of graduate trainee role. We've subsequently, and I think when it comes to hiring, I think, and this includes choosing partners. I think having an awareness of of what you what you don't know is extremely important. So, you know, for example. It would have been easy for us as an investment team, you know, to think that we could, you know, outsource all of our operational issues, and and certainly we do outsource a lot of functions. But, you know, I think we recognised early in thinking about establishing a boutique, the need for one of the partners, one of the founders, to have deep, deep operational rather than uh, investment experience, and that led us, you know, to approach. Karen, Karen is the co-lead managing partner, was you know, alongside me, and and has you know power over all all things out with you know decisions within the portfolios really. Um, so I think recognizing what what you don't know is very important, and we, we've we've sort of used that principle in thinking about expanding our our team. So out with you know, thinking about the the junior the the the, the next generation of investors, um, we've we've always and I think you know. One of the reasons that we've been able to grow our businesses, we're we're, we're seen as uh, leaders in you know, sustainable investing. Our approach to investing in emerging markets you know, is 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 viewed as as a, as a very sustainable approach. Um, but you know, we're operating in, in a world where the regulatory environment around sustainability is changing. So the you know the, the lawyers are heavily involved in definitions of sustainability and what have you. And whilst you know, I think we. We've gone out of our way not to label our strategy as a sustainability, you know, as explicitly as a sustainability strategy. We recognise we needed expertise, and, and that led us to our our second employee, which is an extremely experienced lady, over twenty six years experience in the industry, who you know has worked in this area and has been able not 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 necessarily to you know change how we invest, but to make sure that we're you know, how we can communicating what we invest is you know it really is at the sort of the, the leading edge of the industry 
So again, it's thinking about you know what you don't know um, and and what blind spots you might have that you you need to cover and and, and looking to sort of hire to to cover for that. Um, and then I'm managing growth. I mean, the business has grown despite setting it up just before a global pandemic. We've been able to grow the business, you know, both in size but also uh, internationally. We have clients in New Zealand and Canada and everywhere in between. And um, you know, the com building our team out sort of ahead of to 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 be able to manage that growth is important as well. And we've we've been able to bring bring on well one and and, and subsequently soon two. Um, client service management people who, you know, again, um, are, are allowing us to manage a, a business that becomes more complex, the more sort of, the more international it becomes and, and, and the larger it becomes. So um, we, we, we feel, you know, obviously, we believe we're very, very well resourced, but um, we are very clear that we, we don't want to become an enormous company. Uh, we don't, you know, I think there are, we've always said, we don't think you should have any more than 10 people in an investment team. We're not there yet. So we have scope to bring on future graduates. Um, uh, and we need to have this, the in-house support, you know, that, that we need with, you know, the operational experience that, that doesn't sit inside the, the, the investment group. Um, uh, and we need to make sure that we're, we're, we're you know, covering and, and moving with all the sort of regulatory um, you know, developments around the industry. So, so being resourced on that side as well is extremely important. One thing that I'm interested with this theme particularly is that move from managing money to managing people. How have you found that transition personally? Have there been, and again, I think you may have covered it there, but have there been things you've had to learn along the way? Is it something you, you found you enjoy perhaps unexpectedly? What's that journey been like for you? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've sort of been on this this journey through for, for, for 20 years. I mean, I just started out as a junior analyst on, a, on an investment team. Um, gradually, you know, through experience and I, I guess sort of proving myself, I was able to you know, get into a position of, you know, portfolio management, um, but not sort of team management. Um, I left, this is at a firm called First State. Um, back in sort of 2015, I, I joined another firm called Henderson, where uh, I my role was the head of emerging markets. So I, I had to build a team and that was a new challenge for me. I had experience and a good track record running emerging market funds, but I hadn't built an emerging markets team. And, uh, and that was, that was the, the sort of the, the challenge and um, which I, I kind of, I guess I grew, I sort of learned the sort of the managing people side of things um, over that, so kind of through that period. Um, uh, and, and now, you know, with Scary War beginning in 2019, this is sort of the, hopefully sort of the, you know, the, the next chapter of, of learning, which is, you know, running a business, never mind bringing a team. But I think it's very important to, to, to get the distinction, you know, between being an employer and being a partner. Uh, you know, I'm very much one of the partners in this business. So, you know, from a sort of a hierarchical, traditional hierarchical management perspective, it, you know, it's, it's, we don't operate like that. I mean, uh, we take it in turns to put the bins out. You know, that's a new, a new function uh, since leaving a large corporate. Uh, you didn't have to do that there. And so, you know, I think, you know, everyone think the culture you can, you can foster around the idea of partnership actually removes so long as all the partners are philosophically aligned um you know it removes a lot of the kind of management management headaches that y you might experience in a corporate no i think that makes a lot of sense and i think well i suppose linked to that then because you mentioned they're launching in 2019 i think we all knew what came after that 
the, the work from home remote working thing is is a challenge at the best of times but for a new business i imagine that brought even more stress on to trying to develop something and how did you and the the managing partners manage to navigate that yeah i mean that's a, that's a good question i think well we probably wouldn't have rented a, a large office in edinburgh if we'd seen it coming so so yeah i mean some 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 things clearly we would have done differently but i think what one of the things is uh we are a team who had worked together for a long time uh, and even you know even karen and, and ben on operations and trading worked with me at first state for for many years prior to me going off to henderson so there was a, a lot of yeah mutually earned trust i guess between the group so that made the sort of working from home period a lot easier i think if you were trying to do something from scratch without that kind of long relationship it, it might have been very difficult um yeah obviously um we you had the concern that you know, institutional clients could potentially down tools and but i think we were we were very pleasantly surprised that you know that the large consultants and the biggest institutions pretty rapidly adjusted to home working uh, and in fact we you know even the way we interact with many of our clients today continues to have strong elements of you know that were developed through that period you know, because I, do you need to go to us do you need to visit australia as often as you used to visit australia if you can have high quality interactions you know online and all of those so i think there's been positive things to come out of it one of, one of the things i would say as a challenge that we haven't faced and that's been getting people back to the office um people want to come to work i think we've you know we've gone out of our way to try to create an environment that people you know want to be working in and I, I feel very strongly, I've always, throughout my experience managing money, that you know, investment is a contact sport. Uh, you have to be able to disagree with your colleagues uh, and you have to be able to do it constructively in a way that doesn't, you know, that, that you know, protects relationships. And But if you can't disagree with one another you, in a constructive manner, you don't, you don't have a proper investment business. And I've, I've, I've always found that that aspect of the job is, is more difficult you know, online, definitely on email, emails, you know, you, you think you're being, you know, you think you're being constructive and the other person reads it completely differently. So sitting together in an, in an office around a table, um, I, I think, you know, is, is, is the most productive way, um, to, to work through investment ideas and, and hopefully deliver, you know, the, the best ideas for into the, into the portfolio. So getting people back into the office, uh, has been important. We have, you know, we've had elements obviously like everyone you know, i think we all work a bit more flexibly than we used to um and that's you know that's no different here but but at that core this and i've heard and i've read in the newspaper you know the resistance to coming back to work i think i think again maybe it comes back to the culture of partnership and what have you uh we, we haven't faced that so that's been that's been a positive and just, just on other other things you know we've had you know we've had uh one of our colleagues you know come back from maternity leave uh through this through the first few years of of setting up and um, you know and, and managing all those other sorts of you know, life events and and trying to you know have have a, have a culture that, that you know, people want to come back to. I think you know, you know keep, keeping keeping the most talented women in the workforce you know, throughout having families is as important. Well, it, it's it's a loss for us. It's a loss for the industry. So it's been it's been good, but you have to have a culture that people want to come back to. Well, yeah, the, I think the use of culture there, I think, is key because, I mean, in the, in the one that we've recorded these already and in a conversation I had last year, and I know this isn't a, a new phrase, but somebody said to me, culture eats strategy for breakfast. So even if you have 
a good strategy for your boutique if people don't want to be there or don't feel like they can flourish there that's going to be challenging so i think putting that culture at the corner of things and from the sounds of it that is a key concern and it looks like something you've you've had the opportunity to address from the outset and you've really put at the center of what you're trying to do at least that's what it seems like from the outset yeah. yes and i think so i mean it, it was the, the reason to leave the corporates was you know the 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 lack of control over over culture and and the the external influences you know that could be brought to bear over over the, the team and the strategy that we were trying to implement and what we promised to deliver to clients so yeah the i you know there there's no point in 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 trying to recreate something like that so, you know we what we want scary to stand for is uh is we want we want to clearly stand for the investment philosophy, and we don't want conflict. So, for example, we we worked hard to think of a, a tagline for our approach, and we talk about being far-sighted and fair-minded investors in emerging markets, um, and we therefore our business should be run in a far-sighted and fair-minded way, and that you know, that's everything through to sort of um, career opportunities for people within the team. Um, uh, to, to compensation, all of those things, uh, you know, need to be both you know, far-sighted and fair-minded. And I think as well, you know, it's important that people don't perceive contradictions. You know, I think it's important that all of the partners and particularly younger members of the team and even interns, when, you know, when they start asking questions about the type of businesses that we invest our clients' capital in, you know, that there aren't contradictions there. You know, I think one thing that, you know, just as a as an example, um, over, over over the period, um, our strategies you know, had no exposure to Russia, uh, uh, which I think a lot of emerging markets found themselves, you know, somewhat caught out in. And the the reason we had no, you know, that that's good that we didn't for clients. But the reason we didn't wasn't that we'd taken some short term view on Russia, a far sighted and fair minded approach to identifying high quality managers who've operated with integrity. Which is how we try to do things. You know, could not identify businesses in Russia that you know, that met our philosophical needs. So you know, we've we've really worked hard to, to try to ensure that you know, what we say we do is what we do. It's also how we act towards one another. Glenn, I think that's a great point to finish on. I think it's a great message to put across. So thank you very much for joining me today. Not at all. Thank you.